Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome back to the No Ratings Podcast. We have a star-studded lineup. They are three of the hardest men on the internet to get hold of uh, because essentially they're, all three of them are cooking, let's be honest. It won't be long before they start asking for paper contracts to come on the, come on the pod because they're out there doing other podcasts. I won't mention any names just yet. Um, Amir, Liez, Faisal, how are you boys doing? I'll go first, man. I- I've been doing good. You know, it's been a minute. I had to come with a fresh trim ever since I learned that we're on YouTube now. They didn't tell me that we were upgrading, but hey, it's good to be back. I've seen the topics today. They're tasty. And I'm with, uh, like you said, two of two of football Twitter's hottest people out there. So I'm excited. Hottest? I didn't say hottest. I want to clarify. I, I oh, that's crazy, <laughs> yes. Hey, man, come on. <laughs> Amir, how's it going? You've, you've, been, you've got people cooking on Twitter with some tweets at 2 a.m. and I've, I, something's going on. I posted the tweets. I went to sleep. I had a great <laughs> night's rest, uh, and I'm ready to, you know, talk about some of these lovely, lovely topics uh, that we have with two um, great guests, and then obviously Nabeed, a lovely host. So let's let's get cooking. I don't like the fact that I came a long time after the guest, but all right. yeah, that's like I have to remember <laughs> to give you a shout out. <laughs> thank you, thank you, uh, Faisal. I, I have a bonus pick with you before we get going. You took Leas from this podcast to another podcast without any contractual agreements in place. I had to message Sharky personally. What's going on? <laughs> I'm not, uh, listen, I got told we needed someone. I, I, I had, I had, I had few people on my, uh, my list, but you know, Leas was the p- best person for her. And bro, he's getting so much love in the comments. So much love in the comments. Faisal's the new Nick Fury, bro. He's recruiting now. <laughs> <laughs> I, still, I still got two people, two other people that I'm trying to recruit. So let's see. 
Uh, my DMs are empty, so let's talk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we, as always, do a, an icebreaker at the end of the previous show, which we'll then discuss at the start of the next one. Last week's icebreaker was, have you ever cried over football? Now, I'm going to self-confess before <laughs> before Faisal comes firing out. We were searching for an icebreaker. I saw Faisal's tweet was getting mental interaction. I was like, I'm going to borrow this, you know? We're all family here. <laughs> and that became the icebreaker of our pod. Um, we've had some cracking, cracking tweets. I'll read them out in a second. Uh, but Amir, have you ever cried at football? You strike me as a real emotional man. Nah, That's no, crazy because I actually have it. So I don't know why I uh, give that impression. The thing is, I I remember, um, you know, the QPR game. My little brother was in tears, like when when we were down um, against QPR on the last day of the season, and I was like, I, like everyone in my family was sort of consoling him. He's like two years younger than me. I think we were like 10 and he was like nine or something. And my, my brother was just like in bits. And, I, and we were like, just get it together. We did it, you know. My, my dad was like, I've been through a lot in life, yeah. Not for my son to start crying over a football game. Uh, <laughs> and then, then we obviously made the comeback. Uh, my brother was like, it was, it was a great day. Everything worked out in the end. But I actually haven't. I actually haven't. I think I think the uh, the Sterling disallowed goal versus, um, versus Spurs... Yes. Yeah, that yeah. VAR moment that just numbed me to, to football. I, I just, there's no emotion. If we lose, what a dick! You know, against um, last season against Aston Villa when Coutinho scored, I didn't even feel. I started laughing. I was like, you know what? This is just funny. This is scripted. This game, Gerard team Coutinho bag. So I'm kind of numb to to the to the game after that VAR moment. Would you I cry? Love- would you cry from if if you were to be scoring the Champions League final? <laughs> oh, tears of joy! Tears of joy! Oh, I will be scoring in the final. I'm crying, bro. I'm crying. Tears everywhere, bro. I I don't know how he gets to the final. What I love is um the fact you just said there about your dad. That's peak ethnic dad, man. Like my dad's exactly the same. Like yeah. if I, if he sees me emotional about football, he's like, we're not watching this anymore. Switch yeah. off. Switch <laughs> off. Like, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> You've seen harder days. Uh, Leas, have you had a little <laughs> cry at football? I told you the one time, I think on the first time we were on a show, Nube, the only time I've ever cried in football was 2006, the, the World Cup final with Zidane. Like my whole family, when he got red carded, mm. was, was in tears, but my whole family. Other than that, though, I'm like Umir, man. When my team starts conceding, I just start laughing, bro. On yeah. God, it's just like, yeah. I'm like, you know, with the, jo- the Joker uh, from, the, <laughs> from, the, from the Dark Knight, that hysterical laugh just starts like rolling in my head, bro. Like <laughs> whenever my team starts conceding, man, I don't cry over football like that. Not that it's like, a soft thing to do, but it's just not me. That's I was very carefully PR'd towards yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you guys uh, want to cry, that's what he said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's on you. It's on you. Not, yeah. not on us. Face uh, <laughs> any tears at football? Yeah, I've had happy tears and sad tears. Uh, Champions League final, two thousand fourteen, the decima. Uh, that when when Ramos scored, I literally just start Can't getting relate. tears. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but but it had a backstory too. Like we we were we were crying for that decimal for years. But my saddest tear was the Champions League semi final against Bayern, the penalty shootout. When uh, mm. uh, when yeah, like that game uh, when Ronaldo missed, Kaka missed, and when Ramos <laughs> missed the penalty. <laughs> when Ramos missed the penalty, yeah, I was done. I was done. Mm. There's a few. We got a few tweets, and I'm I'm just like I feel I'm I'm not someone who like generally like gets emotional about football as i said my dad wouldn't allow it so i'm not gonna do it um (laughs) there's a lot of people there's there's people who have like lists of things they've been crying about like it's not even like you know like tears in football come 
when it's really bad or when it's really happy. There's people who are just crying, just like out really minute things. Game 14 of the Premier League. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. yeah, literally. This guy's crying because of Bakary Sanya's transfer. (laughs) This guy is... is, is I actually have one. I I didn't cry, but I actually felt so sad when... uh, This is going to sound so stupid. When Otamendi left Man City... It's the saddest what? I've been in. So, listen, Otamendi? Look, yeah, no, listen, it's crazy. Should I tell you why? Otamendi, like, when he left, he didn't get no, like, sort of goodbye or nothing. He just got, you know, he just he just got sent away just so he could get Diaz in. And this guy, like, he put in so much effort. I was like, you know what? This guy's so underrated. He, like, sacrificed himself for Diaz. I was like, this is an emotional thing. And then all the fans, like, at the new club, they were, like, celebrating. I was like, you know what? This is, why am I so sad about Otamendi leaving? <laughs> I wasn't even that sad when David Silva left. That's my favorite player of all time. He was underrated. Yeah, he, was. Yeah, he definitely was. Seventeen, eighteen. He was. He was that Stepped guy. Stepped up. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Tears though. You like company left you? Do you not cry when company left? No. Nah. I wasn't even. I was just like, you know what? They've done their thing. But with Otamendi, I was like, you know, this guy. He came from so much slander. He had his seventeen, eighteen season, and then he just got shipped out. Do you know what? That's my guy. I feel bad for him. Right. I didn't see that coming, I can't lie. Um, <laughs> the the Bakri Sanya suggestion was from someone called Trek, Trek Orgista, not Trek Watista, Trek Orgista. Um, got another one here that I quite liked. Uh, Arsenal versus Atleti, 2018 second leg. I was close to tears. Wenger's last season and his last chance of European success. Wait for this, though. F*** you, Koscielny. Got another couple here. Tuchel sacking. We are going to talk about Tuchel. We'll come to that. Gerard slip. That's inevitable. You're crying um, over Tuchel getting sacked, bro? Yeah. But <laughs> this this person has tweeted us. Let me read this. But this this is from Dia, 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 Diabolical Chelsea. I've clearly forgotten how to speak. Amir's presence shook me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's tweeted us a few times with a few from Chelsea. Iniesta's goal versus Chelsea from Football Frankie. When Torres left from ABDX, that was the closest I've ever been. Because Torres was the guy, man. That's when I actually like yeah, fully like, loved football. Yeah, 17 yeah. years ago, I would have been... My maths is terrible. So, Leah, you feel, you feel the glap. 17 years ago, I would have been 13 years old. Um, that was when I was like tr- truly, truly in love. We're going to have a little chat about a topic that we haven't spoken about on this podcast, which has come off the back of Lippy Lickshot Lippy, who I imagine... Um, is that's actually not his handle. It's actually just Lickshot Lippy. I just made it up. Uh, he's got a ton of followers. Um, he was on what's the show called? What's the show I'm thinking of? No, he's part. I think he's part of Filthy. Uh, filthy. Yeah. Filthy. There we go. Part of Filthy fellas. His tweet was basketball. Basketball ain't, but it's much easier football. A lot easier. You could get ten men that don't play basketball, and they could play a match calm. Give a football to a man that's never kicked the ball, and you will see a madness. Immediately off the bat, Amir, how are you? Uh, yeah, ah, it's just a bit. Ah, yeah, I'm smelling cat. If you ever try shoot a basketball and you've never played basketball, ooh, air ball, it's missing, it's hitting, it's going out of the park. Do you know what I mean? Um, the thing is, one thing I do hear from his sort of angle is obviously basketball. You play with your hands. You're probably a bit more straightway off the bat able to, you know, have some of the bases, but if you get what was the beginning of the tweet like if you have 10 guys ready to play basketball you'll be able to do it calm I think that that's absolutely unequivocally false that there's no chance if they've not played basketball before Mm. yeah absolutely no chance it's funny right because in the US they almost take like the exact opposite opinion of this and that they think oh 
uh, if the if the U.S. just put more attention on football, all of their athletic players would just be able to be insane footballers. It's crazy how they think and then like how we're thinking here. I'm of the opinion that football is technically the hardest sport in terms of like it actually requires the most skill. Or I say that, I, I don't know in terms of every single sport, but when you talk about basketball or when you talk about American football or you talk about rugby, I think football requires more technical ability and more skill than all of those. That's my opinion. So for someone to say basketball what was the exact thing basketball is an easier thing to pick up yeah you could get 10 men that don't play basketball and they could play a match calm i mean i don't know about calm but i think like the whole idea of if you take a random person who's never played football before and ask him to play football it'll definitely look uglier than if you like you could get like a random seven footer to play basketball and i think he's he's going to end up being useful if you take someone who's never played football in their life i think it's gonna look it's gonna look like a mess so yeah. I kind of understand that, that point of view. You look at the NBA, for example, you have players that started playing at 15 years old. Uh, Pascal Siakam, I'm a Toronto Raptors fan. Pascal Siakam is one of, Raptors. Like, <laughs> it's one of the craziest stories in the NBA about like how he's just kind of come out of nowhere. He was like I think, 30 M- I think Embiid started at 15 as well. Yeah, they both did from Cameroon. 15, yeah. And now one of them is like a, a league MVP candidate and one of them is one of the best players in the league at his position. Yeah. And again, like they started so young and it's it's because they already had the natural physical skill set to just, I'm not saying it's easy to just do what they did, but there's already a platform there to kind of grow from. Like if you're seven foot super athletic, it's easier to teach someone than just like trying to teach someone football from scratch. I think that's kind of like my point. Yeah, I, so I, kind of saying, I think he was probably a little too extreme of it and that you could just take 10 people and play a basketball game. That's probably too extreme. Yeah. But I, I kind of get the gist of what he's saying. I don't, I don't agree completely. If you throw 10 people who's never played basketball, I'm telling you right now, within a minute, five, five rules will be broken instantly. That double violations, double dribbles. Bro, it's, people think, yeah, bouncing the ball and throwing is basketball. It's, it's, it's nowhere near that. I think it's harder, in my opinion, it's easier to understand football than to understand basketball. So, so if, if let's say, if you're neutral and you've got no idea what basketball is, you've got no idea what football is, it's easier to adapt to football than, than it is to adapt in basketball. You see, I, I've i never played basketball, maybe because uh, of my height. Um, but <laughs> I, do, I think if you threw me a basketball, if I think about every sport, actually, if you threw me a basketball, I'd know I have to shoot at the hoop, but I would probably just walk with it, right? Like I wouldn't, I'd just hold the ball and walk forward because I wouldn't really trust my capacity to bounce the ball to the direction I'm going in. If you gave me a football, go on. Uh, no, I was going to say, so let's say you get 10 guys who've never played basketball and you get 22 guys who've never played football. You tell them all the rules, they fully understand the rules. Just from like a skill perspective, where do you guys stand uh, on the situation from then? I think I think for starters, in, um, in football, you don't have to be barefooted. Uh, you can you can you can be one footed and you can easily still adapt and still play good. In basketball, you have to use both hands. That's no way you can dribble like that like with with one hand comfortably <laughs> yeah, yeah. from one side to the, from one side to another. I think you know what I think. I think people they look at Kyrie making these layups, these fancy layups, and they think it's easy. It's much no, harder no than chance. that. It's much harder than that. It's, I've tried it. It's 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 so hard to to get to a level where you're decent from not being able to play football, even on one foot, do you think that's harder than... I, I think that might be harder than getting to a level that's decent using your hands in basketball. Because the thing is, Liz, we've, grown up you... playing, we've grown up playing football and we've played it all our lives. But I think someone who hasn't played basketball could get to... I'm not saying like 
any sort of semi-professional professional level but i'm saying they could get to a level where they're decent playing in their pot in the park with their friends at a quicker level than someone who's never played football picking it up for the first time nah Nah. Nah. Nah, 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 I nah. think football's easy, probably one of the easiest sports to grasp in terms of like, if I gave a kid a ball and just said, go run around in the park, he'd be better at football than he would if I gave him any other equipment. I give him a tennis racket, he's not, you can't learn tennis. Like, you need someone to play with you, yeah. you need someone to tell you the technique. You can't, I don't think you can learn basketball either. I think like you've got to be a certain, either a certain size or a certain type of build to play basketball or a certain sort of skill set. I think hand-eye coordination is a lot more difficult than your feet. I think you just kind of summed it up, right? Like if you already have that physical skill set, you're already at an advantage in basketball. Like you're already useful just automatically if you've never touched a basketball in your life. If you're seven foot and you've never touched a basketball in your life, all you have to do is sit underneath the hoop and you're automatically a positive for your team. You're not a brilliant basketball player, but you can automatically contribute. If you've never picked up a football in your life, if you've never kicked a football in your life and you go and play a, even a 5v5 game, let alone 11v11, you're going to drown. Like, you're going to look yeah. so out of place. It's ridiculous. So that's that's really where I stand on, on it. Like, obviously, every sport, if you've never played it before, you're, you're not going to be that great. But I think you can kind of hide it in basketball if you have that physical advantage, where in football, even if you have a physical advantage, it doesn't really count for much. I don't know. I, I, I don't feel like you have to understand football to be good at football. But you have to understand basketball to be good at basketball, because that's so that's way many rules in basketball than football. Like, like let's say, what's the uh, a question? What's the easiest position to play in a, in a, in football? Oh, this is a little bit tough. Center back. Full back. Full back. Yeah. In 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 basketball, there isn't any. The, the only easiest position that come to mind is is a shooting guard. Where you, where your job is just to make the movement and shoot, but that's still well, very hard. I would I would say it's center. To center be if you're tall, yeah. Ah, bro, center. Yeah, center. That's the travel with the new rules. Yeah, look, the violations, right? Because we're we're five foot one. Yeah, right? yeah. But I'm saying, assuming we have the physical like requirements. Yeah, I'm, we're talking. I think it's, me and Lies are talking from like a technical, like skill 100%. level. Yeah. yeah, I think we're from like an understand and like I think I think if. To, to grasp football could be so simple. Like you could get a player of any size or a person of any size and say, you go play right back, be a right foot, you go play right back. Just kick the ball down the line and just tackle the guy running at you. But have you, have you see, has anyone seen that clip of LeBron like playing f- football? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hilarious. This is yeah. like one of the greatest athletes of all time. Yeah. Like the greatest physical specimen ever. He looks like, no, no disrespect to the king, but he looks like a clown juggling a ball. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of like the most difficult sport to play. Considering like, I think football and basketball, from what we've just said there, is like, Liaz, actually, I'm going to come to you because you're not from here. Would you say cricket is really difficult to play? How the hell would I know? I've never played cricket. <laughs> That's what, but I'm saying like, like, in the next ball. <laughs> but I'm saying if if from watching cricket, like baseball looks really simple. Baseball, you have a bat in your hand yeah, and you just got to hit yeah, as yeah. far as you want. Like I've yeah, heard that right. hitting a baseball, I've never played baseball, but I've heard that hitting a baseball is like one of the hardest things to do in sport. It's rounders. I'm saying at a basic level. It's basically rounders. Uh, at, you have a uh, yeah, bat. At basic level, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Like, whereas yeah. I think with cricket, like the pitch turns or it comes quick or it spins or like a lot can happen. Um, I, I actually, I'm back in cricket and maybe... I mean, I played cricket my whole life, so it's kind of like a bit of a cheat. Like, I'm pretty good at cricket, you know? Um, I I think to be good at a sport, so not at the basic level, to be good at a sport, cricket is probably one of the hardest sports to become good at. 
I wouldn't know. I've never even watched a cricket game. I can't lie. <laughs> yes, you'll think it's a hard sport, my friend. Then after that is golf. I don't know if you've played golf, but go- and you know what? This actually defo comes to my upbringing because ne- I never played golf until I was like 22. And uh, my mate at uni was basically rich. Like he's so rich. His, his dad literally owns a golf course. And then that basically allowed me to play golf without feeling petrified of people going, yeah, this guy can't play. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, honestly, I picked the, I picked the, I was going to call it a bat. I picked the club up and I was like, um, yeah, I'm going to be good at this. I'm sick at cricket. And I, I think I missed the ball about 40 times until an old white dude was looking at me and he was like, damn, these Asians get up. My <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this is oh. not for me. It's definitely, definitely like the hardest sport to become even decent at like you can go to a range and you can hit a ball around but you can't actually be good at hitting a ball around i've seen old men play golf though i've never seen an old man like play left wing but i'm saying yeah. if i give if i gave you a golf club like I, do you think you grasped grasp golf faster than any other sport i don't think so but i, th- but I think with golf is it, it makes it easier when you've got top golf now which 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 will give you the initial, which will give you the initial glance. I'm telling you, man. I'm I'm very good at top golf. Well, it gives you that top golf gives you the, the first the first initial glance on what to expect with golf. No, but that's like saying I'll, I'll be good at football because I play table football. Do you know what I mean, like? <laughs> Leas, do you, do you have you played basketball? Not well. I played at like a very low level. Like if you, I'm not good at basketball whatsoever. Like you know what? What's surprising, right? Everyone like. Looks at me obviously because like I'm from the US and they say, "Oh, your first sport must be basketball, or it must be fake, this, or it must fake be that. American, man. Yeah, you know, I'm low key. Like my, my my American watch is fake, low key. Like <laughs> the only thing was football. Like I grew up in a very like ethnic household, so there was no like basketball and stuff like that. And even like when I talk about basketball, people think basketball is my first sport. Like I've only been watching basketball for, since like 2014, I would say. So, yeah, like, I've only played football, man. <laughs> Probably not the answer you were looking for for this podcast, but, yeah, I can't speak on, like, the other sports. I, I honestly thought you would have played basketball, baseball, football. <laughs> have you seen my hype, bro? The only, the only thing I was ever playing was football, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've never seen you in person. I've got no idea how tall oh, I was. Don't do this. We had dinner the other day, bro. Don't, do, don't cap for the stream, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> um. This guy's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly, I will back myself right now. I'll say it on the pod. I reckon I will be so good at golf in like five years' time because there's a golf no, course right by me. There's a, a trainer. He's, a, he's an Asian dude, which is why I've gone with him. He don't make me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fully convinced he'll turn me into Tiger Woods. On that note, let's talk about the Mount Rushmore's of sports. If you don't know what Mount Rushmore is, please go and Google it. I'm assuming you three both know, well, all three of you know what Mount Rushmore is, right? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, Leah's, you better know, because you just said you're not American, so... No, I said it. <laughs> I'm not American, it doesn't mean I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, who are, in your opinion, the greatest, the GOATs, the GOAT athletes out there? Um, I'll throw a name out there, which I think is like, literally, you cannot debate it. Michael Jordan, hands yeah. down. Uh, whether you like basketball or not, I don't even watch basketball. What? No, no, Faisal. Faisal's a LeBron sexual, bro. Faisal's a LeBron sexual, bro. <laughs> Listen, uh, listen. The king, the king is the goat. But the king, uh, I, I know what I can't, I, I can't argue with it. I can't argue with it. Here's the, but, di- here's but, the thing. But, right? but, but, but you mentioned goat. Uh, the, in terms of basketball, uh, LeBron is the goat. Hold on, that's a different subject. But like, this, this clearly is greatest of all time, right? And yeah. whether you think LeBron James, is a, and I don't want to go into each sport and say who's better than. Whether you think LeBron James is a better basketball player than Michael Jordan, I think greatness is really the word we're trying to define and encapsulate here. So 
I think before we even choose four names, we probably have to, to find, agree a common ground what defines greatness. And Faisal is going to say LeBron maybe because he has more points all time or he's a, a bigger physical specimen or he can do more in a game. But at the end of the day, going 6-0 in NBA Finals, right, whether you watch basketball or not religiously, is the epitome of greatness. And I think it, it's very difficult to say that LeBron James's career is greater than Michael Jordan's. And I, I think it's very hard to say any athlete ever has a greater sporting career than him. I think he's one of the unanimous names on this list, personally. He's not on my list. I'll say that. All right, so never mind. That's 0 for 2. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but you know what? I think everyone's going to have their own list just uh, based on, on, on what you value in it. Uh, and yeah. like your experience of the sport. I think if someone puts in Jordan in their list, I'm never going to say that's wrong because there's a very strong case that, that Jordan deserves to be in there. I think in terms of greatness in sport, I value things like their contrib- contribution to changing the culture. Someone like Muhammad Ali, obviously uh, in boxing, deserves uh, to be in that conversation on his boxing accolades alone, but also for what he did outside of the sport. Uh, and in that way, like in basketball, like Jordan, LeBron are there. I just want to give a shout out to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for what he, like most points of all time. So like six MVPs, I think. Um, his activism work, like, in terms of greatness, I think I think they banned the dunk in college basketball because of him. So he invented his own, like he invented the skyhook. So his like entire career and legacy together is so impressive that like that constitutes greatness to me. But obviously, everyone has sort of different definitions for what actually is greatness. I think it's fair to say various names. You're not going to agree on four specific names. Do you have any basketball players in your in your top four, uh, Umir? My fourth pick is like so-and-so but like Kareem might be my fourth pick so you would say that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has more had had more of an impact on the sport of basketball than Michael Jordan not not on the sport of basketball but for me I think he's personally greater in terms of what I value Kareem wouldn't even Kareem would even be my top five and if if we talk about (laughs) impact in terms of basketball uh, I'll put I'll I'll put Kirby ahead of him as well yeah that's exactly I was thinking the same to be fair I wouldn't have Kobe I'll, top three, top four. I don't know. In, in terms of impact, I'll put Kobe ahead of uh, Kareem. Um, just with a young generation and what he's done and what how he's done it. But I, so I know what, I, I'm for me. I don't have I don't have none of the basketball. I don't have no basketball players in my top four. Do we have any footballers on our list? I don't. I don't personally. Yeah, yeah I, do. Because, I do. I do. I do as well. Definitely. I mean, I have someone that I don't personally think is the best footballer of all time. But I think when you talk about impact, Umir, which I really like, I think that that definitely does have a lot to do when you talk about the, the word greatness. I think the name that every single person on the planet knows when they talk about football, and trust me, as, as someone who lived in the U.S. his whole life, not everyone knows Cristiano Ronaldo, surprisingly. Not everyone knows Latin. Not even everyone knows Lionel Messi. But one name that everyone knows, whether they pronounce it Pele, Pele, Pola, or whatever they pronounce it, I think Pele, when it comes to yeah. the, 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 the term greatness – has to be right up there at the top. If not number one, he has to be high up there. You see, right? I The reason why I don't have Pele in there is because I've never watched him play football. And so, and, and nobody I know has watched Pele play football. Not that the GOAT list is just to do with the sport that they play. I agree that it's much more than that. And it's really interesting that you have, we have got four ethnic people in here. So we naturally have like a, we are gravitating towards characters who mean more to us than just the sport. Um, but I haven't. I can't say like Opele oh, is one of the goats because like if I told my kids about football, I wouldn't tell them about Pele. 
I wouldn't be like, oh, Pele was the greatest ever and he did this, this and this because I never watched him. I don't know the first thing about this guy. Um, I know that obviously he's held really highly by lots of other people. Um, but I would actually argue in terms of like impact culturally, Maradona had more of an impact. Granted, the guy was off his head, but people remember his character a lot more than they remember Pele's character. People don't know anything about Pele. And so I disagree. I disagree completely. When you talk about international pull, when you talk about being known worldwide, I don't think it's a debate that Pele is more. Whether you think one's a better player or did more in the sport, when you talk about like worldwide worldwide appeal and just in consensus star power, I think Pele trumps him in that regard. Yeah, and and when you just think of like number tens in sport, like Pele ten, like that image is just ingrained in my mind, and I just associate it so heavily with football. The fact that we mentioned Pele without there being footage as readily available um, compared to the likes of obviously Ronaldo, Messi, Maradona, um, we still put Pele in these conversations and talk about him so long after um, he finished playing football and that surely contributes to how great he is as a figure within the sport. Um, And just in general, like sort of the World Cups that he won, I think on a global scale, that's what matters the most uh, in terms of greatness. Uh, whether or not you think sort of leagues are harder to win or uh, the Champions League is more special, like the World Cups are what sort of unite everyone. And when the World Cups were uh, beginning to be televised and, and sort of like the message of the World Cup was being spread around the world, Pele was like the figure uh, of that time and he was winning World Cups for, uh, you know, those iconic Brazil teams. So the fact that we speak about Pele um, so long after uh after his career and, and all that he did contribute at that time. Like, I think for footballers, there's there's no one really that I, I could think of putting ahead of Pele. Faisal, do you have a footballer on your list? I, I, I was torn, uh, but no. Wait, so you haven't got a footballer and you haven't got a basketball player. Who's, no, you're, who's again, in your again, list? Again, that's why I said, that's why I said, if you think about it, if you think the overall Mount Rushmore, you, you think of a player that everyone knows. And I've got, I've got, as, as with me, Muhammad Ali, even mm-hmm. though I haven't watched Muhammad Ali, but it's just the impact and the name of Muhammad Ali. I've got Tiger Woods, even though I don't know nothing yeah. about golf. He's still there. Somehow, somewhere, he's still there. And my other two is I've got um, I've got two tennis players. Yeah, so this is well interesting to me, right? Because I've also got Tiger Woods. I don't watch golf like that, but I know like the impact Tiger Woods has had on golf. Also, his whole scandal, I've got an entire theory on it, but... Yeah, uh, if if he if he and I'm sure I'm sure everybody else has the the stuff that he did he was made a criminal because of, but nothing he actually did was a crime. Like it was wrong. I'm not saying it was right, but I'm saying like he didn't beat anyone to a pulp like certain footballers have. He didn't uh, do anything that is outside of his legal right. Um, and but then the way it was made out was as if like he's a criminal. He should go to jail. Yeah. Anyway, so Tiger Woods is definitely in my list because. The fact that none of us watch golf, the second I see a Nike tick on anything, one of the first athletes I think of immediately or first people is Tiger Woods. Like mm. My immediate brain goes straight to him. And, um, the, and the first thing you hear about golf, Tiger Woods' name just comes into your mind straight away. Yeah. Even though even though I've never watched, and again, I've not watched a single golf tournament or whatever it is, or whatever, whatever they call it, the Masters series or whatever. <laughs> Tiger, I just know about Tiger Woods. But That's the tennis cool. thing, you know what? I might, I might be, I might put MJ back in my, in my, in my. Two tennis players is crazy, I would say, for top then four. Again, all time. But then again, that's why I've got two tennis uh, people, but I now I need to get rid of one. Yeah, you have I've to got, pick. Um, I've got Serena Williams, who's yeah. the yeah. greatest 
uh, greatest ever female athlete, in my opinion, ever. Agreed. Yeah. But then again, that means I have to get rid of, I have to get rid of Roger, which again, Roger's not my goat. I've got Nadal as my goat, but Roger's impact yeah. and charisma, he's what he's brought tennis world into into uh, the bigger scale of things. Yeah. But yeah, I have to fit, I have to fit MJ back in. I don't know how to. Right. I have a question: Do we all have Muhammad Ali on our on our yeah. list? Yeah, yeah, as well. Okay, so then we we can agree on one. Yeah. <laughs> Me personally, I had MJ. Faisal, you're trying to get MJ in. Nubed, you said you're gonna get uh, MJ. MJ in as well. I don't have MJ, but I, I'm <laughs> fine with him. If we if we need to do a group thing, I'm fine with him. In it. Yeah. Uh, the the other person that I have in mine, and I don't know if you guys have in yours. I have Usain Bolt in mine. Yeah, I have Usain Bolt as well. I have Usain Bolt as well. Yeah, I think I think Usain Bolt, man, is, is just kind of encapsulated. <laughs> just kind of, of like he's the fastest man yeah. to run ever. Yeah. He's like the most elite athlete for sure. He's definitely made um, athletics much more attractive because there hasn't been a character like him. Faisal just thought of something mad. Gone. No, nah, no. Nah, I'm thinking about Usain Bolt here. If you if we're gonna slap Usain Bolt in there, you might as well just slap Mufara in there as well, man. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. He's one of the. I good was I was thinking between Usain Bolt and Michael Phelps. That was like really the, the two that I was. Yeah, trying Phelps. To. I had Phelps because uh, of the Olympics. Yeah, I had yeah, Phelps. I was trying to have one Olympian in there, and I had to pick between either of them. I don't think either of them is a wrong show, but I think one of those two has basically defined a generation of olympics and that has to come from something can i throw in another name yeah go on so serena williams i have as well what about lewis hamilton mm. um he's not my goat like my actual person on my list is not lewis hamilton it's someone else also in f1 um but like lewis hamilton being from the background he is breaking into a sport that does not have any athletes of his background um and the way he's done it the story the fact he's won more titles than my actual goat michael schumacher who is on my list um I feel like he could potentially... The only thing is F1 is a very, very elite sport. So, like, are we going to go, oh, man, I'm going to, like, tell my kid about F1? Maybe not. Um, but for what he's achieved, does he deserve a shout or not even a shout? I think if you want to give a guy like that a shout based on the criteria that you just gave, I would look back at basketball and I would look at Bill Russell in terms of someone... I don't know how much you know about him, Nubed, but that's someone that completely broke the stereotype at the time. And when yeah. you talk about winning more titles than anyone, what, how many does he have? Like 11? 11, 11 think, yeah. yeah. 11. The guy is like the most serial winner in, in, in basketball. So And he did it in a town where it was mostly white people. Boston. The guy, Boston. the guy was getting racially abused during games and stuff like that. And like yeah. his impact on the sport, even past playing, I think. Like when I look at Lewis Hamilton, and, and granted, I don't watch F1 like that, so I can't really give the same insight as you. But when I look at like the size of that sport compared to the size of basketball, a mm. star from basketball is always going to have a bigger international impact. It, yeah. It's just natural yeah. because of how much bigger the sport is. I think I think we've agreed on Frida. I think everyone's agreed on Muhammad Ali, yep. uh, Serena, and MJ. I haven't decided on Serena yet. I'm trying to think. There was a fourth I'm in not, my head. I'm not, sla- I'm not slapping bold in there, man. I'm not, yeah, same. I can't do it. Olympian, I have got Michael Phelps on my list. Because I think like... Uh, well, for football, for football, I wouldn't even... Like, if, if we talk about impact, we're talking about the, 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 the brand, the marketing. I know what you're going to say. Like honestly, hey, like hear me out, yeah. If we talk about the brand of things and the social media and the following yeah. and the marketing, and he's done it in football as well, Ronaldo Ronaldo deserves a shout. Bro, some of these people are Absolutely, fighting bro. establishments, governments, <laughs> racism, and we're talking about social media followers. 
Ronaldo. 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 Dev, no, 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 no. No, no, we can't throw David Beckham's, Beckham's name in there. Boy, the way, the way Faisal is talking about no. Ronaldo's accomplishments out of, outside of the sports, nothing that David Beckham hasn't done himself. Dev, uh, Ronaldo, Ronaldo combined it. Ronaldo combined it with his off, off the ball and in ball. David Beckham couldn't do that. Hey, man, second Ballon d'Or in 1999. He should have won it. <laughs> <laughs> if we're just talking about greatness in the sport, it's Messi and Pele, Messi and Pele. And if we're talking about everything together, uh, there's no one I'm putting ahead of Pele. Messi's my goat. And in, in football, yes. But Ronaldo did it in inside and outside of things. Yeah, that's true. He, that's... He, yeah, in that conversation, I hear that. But I don't think he's close uh, enough to be top four. I think he's not. Top. He's not. But 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 if you guys are talking about football players, I think he deserves a shout. In yeah, terms of being, yeah, being up there. I'm I'm not saying he should. I'm just saying he deserves a shout, isn't it? You know, that's fair. That's honestly that's fair. Here's what we'll do. We will. Everyone gets their own fourth person. So we'll all pick our fourth person ourselves. This is this, could, this is going to go on for days. Once Ronaldo and Messi and Beckham are getting into the conversation, uh, this is going miles away. Vinicius as well. <laughs> <laughs> With my list, I think it's really similar to Elias. Uh, I would say Ali, Pele, Bolt. And then my last one is Kareem. I think that's sort of for like personal reasons a little bit as well. But I think um, if someone puts Jordan in there, puts Serena in there as a fourth one, I'm not mad at it. I think just Pele... Uh, Ali and Bolt are sort of my three uh, undeniables. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is my my guy, though. I'll go. Uh, I'll give Muhammad Ali, um, Serena, MJ, and the last one I'll go with uh, Tiger Woods. I think we've got the exact same list, you know. Layers. I have Michael Jordan, Pele, uh, Muhammad Ali, and Usain Bolt. Good list. Right. Yeah, it is. Just a random question, just all on at the same time. You can answer this: Is WWE counted as a sport? No. Hell yeah, man. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Yo, land, land. Who, who you, who you phone in there? The Undertaker and The Rock. The only one that deserves to be in this, Stone Cold, and that's. I it. knew that was coming. <laughs> um, yeah, WWE does not count. Otherwise, I would throw, I would throw WWE in there. These are, these are actors, man. Put them next to DiCaprio. Put them next to. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Serena Williams, Muhammad Ali. Football pod, no footballer. That's crazy. Thanks. It's necessary, no ratings, you know. <laughs> oh, we'll be back in a second after the break where we're going to answer the big question. Is Potter the right man for Chelsea? You're seeing it on the screen. We can confirm that Chelsea have appointed Graham Potter as their new head coach, replacing Thomas Tuchel, who was sacked in the wake of the Champions League defeat by Dinamo Zagreb. Uh, Chelsea say he's joined on a five-year contract. Tommy Tuchel has been sacked or relieved of his duties as predicted by Grizz Khan on this podcast. And Graham <laughs> Potter has arrived. Um, Amir, I don't know if you put a thread up about this. Um, Faisal, I know you definitely didn't. Faisal, did you tweet about this? Were you, oh, no, you, oh, no, no, no. Pause for a second. You're a Tommy Tuchel fanboy. I was uh, on, on one of the earlier pods, you were like, Tuchel is the guy. I love him. He's the guy I want. Where did you get the accent from? Whoa. <laughs> That's crazy. That did not even sound Arab. Who is that? <laughs> um, yeah, his accents are a bit left. But, Faze, I'm pretty sure you've told me to- you, you're a big fan of Tommy Tuchel, no? No, no. I, 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 just, I just don't feel the sacking was deserved. That, that, that was my problem with it. Leas, are you Tuchel in, Tuchel out? I think the Tuchel sacking wasn't unfair. I think it eventually would have come very quickly. 
And I think the direction that they've been going down the last few months, and especially to start this season, has kind of all been heading towards one way. But I think the timing of the sacking is absolutely atrocious. Uh, this Chelsea window is one of the most, if not the most expensive of all time. I'm not 100% sure, but it's nearly 300 million pounds. And a lot of them are mm. Tuchel's guys. Uh, none more so than Aubameyang, who is literally his signing. And when you look at Cristiano Ronaldo, who Todd Bowley the entire summer was after and didn't sign purely because of Thomas Tuchel telling him he didn't fit his team, to then seven games into the season, basically scrap all of your plans you had with one manager and go down one who most likely is going to play a very different style, probably requiring different players that were bought than the ones this summer. I think it doesn't make much sense. I understand why they, they figured they needed to move on from Tuchel, but this was something for me that needed to be done before the window started or halfway through the window, not seven games into the season, because now Graham Potter is effectively taking a team that we don't know. I mean, he's going to take the job. He already has taken the job. He's going to make do of these players, but an ideal situation would have definitely been for him to have a full preseason of this squad, for him to purely sign every single player he had on his on his wish list. I think this is a bit of, I mean, with Chelsea, it often is a panic, uh, a panic move. And I think it's a move that should have been done a few months earlier. But unfair, I don't think so. I think the writing was on the, the wall for Tuchel. Okay. With Tuchel sucking, I was really shocked when it first happened. I think I tweeted something out where I was just like, it's a disgraceful decision. It's awful. The timing's wrong. Don't pretend like you don't know your tweet word for word. You know exactly what that tweet said. <laughs> yeah, I have, a, I have a document here. No, I'm joking. Uh, so basically, um, yeah, so at the time I was really shocked. But I did straight away underneath it say, if they do get Graham Potter in, it will sort of make the decision worth it. I think I read something uh, that said Tuchel's been to eight of the last last nine finals he's played mm. in. Um, and that consistency uh, in such a difficult knockout format is ridiculously commendable. Um, and he's getting his pieces in. I think if he had a better relationship with the owners, I think he would have been in here for a little bit longer. Um, I think there were stories that I read that... Uh, you know, that Bowley was talking about a 4-4-3 formation uh, and that soured things at the beginning because, I mean, first of all, the formation doesn't exist, but obviously Tuchel yeah. and Bowley coming at things from opposite sides um, and, and having disagreements sort of in strategy and in player personnel, uh, you know, it's set, it's set things on a bad foot. I think Potter's going to be the guy that is, is sort of the face of the of Bowley's project. And, and it makes sense. I think they could have done far, far worse. Here's my my, my worry, though, Umir. I, I love Grand Potter as a manager. I've been singing his praises for what seems like seasons now. And I remember there was that period at Brighton where people were actually questioning the guy because they weren't scoring goals. And they were laughing at the concept of XG when, when clearly you look at this season, they cashed in and they cashed in heavy. They're in a top four battle, or at least well, they were like... before Grand Potter. I really rate the guy. <laughs> but I look at what Thomas Tuchel has done at Chelsea. And, and while I agree that it hasn't been perfect, especially as of late, his record as Chelsea manager is very, very impressive. Let's not get it twisted. The, the, the trophies he's won, the Champions League, of course, speaks for itself. But you look at the, the cup finals that he's won and lost by the most narrow of margins, two penalty shootouts that, what, one kick going the other direction. And he may have two trophies where Liverpool would have had none last season. That's how, how fine the margins were for Tuchel. And I think his win rate is exceptionally high as a Chelsea manager as well. It's 63% or something it's like crazy. that. It's crazy. His home uh, win record is at 48%, which is really low. There you go. In big games, though, and especially in the Champions League, I don't think there has been a better knockout manager in, in, in one game head-to-head than, than Thomas Tuchel has been. Uh, but I, I, ultimately, I'm saying all of this to say, as much as I rate Graham Potter, and I'm sure he's going to have Chelsea playing a much more beautiful style of football, 
to ask him to do better than what Thomas Tuchel has done the last few seasons is going to be a very, very tall task. And no matter what you think of, of what determines pro- uh, progress is, uh, the fact is, right, Chelsea are, are in a business of winning uh, silverware. It's always been the case. Trophyless seasons don't fly at Chelsea. And Grand Potter will be judged on that. And if he's not able to replicate what Thomas Tuchel has done the last two seasons, it doesn't matter how beautiful Ch- football Chelsea are playing. It's going to be considered a failure. The thing for Potter at Chelsea that will be really interesting is that Brighton, he obviously has a lot of control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he also, there's really no one bigger than him as the coach. They they make transactional decisions in everything they do, whether it's transfers or whether it's how they play. Everything is sort of transactional and he sort of is the, the lead guy. But he has no egos there. There's a real feeling at Brighton that like a lot of the players they sign are players that come from lower clubs or they're getting them in cheap, et cetera, et cetera. It very much so is like a, a club built on no egos, good ethos. He now goes to Chelsea where clearly the new owner is sort of say, similar to Roman Ramage saying, it's my way or it's the highway. Like Tuchel didn't get Ronaldo. And that's the, I don't actually think that that's the reason he got sacked. I think that's just one of the stories. Naturally, Ronaldo's going to get you hits and it's, it's an easy thing to put up. Um, but also at Chelsea, you've got characters like Aubameyang, like you've got big egos, essentially from top to bottom, you've got big, like, definitely, absolutely. Yeah. And and that will be something brand new for Potter. I looked Nubeda at Moyes when we, when we, uh, hired him mm. from, from Everton and the job he did at Everton is fantastic. Don't get it twisted, but there's a huge difference between coaching the likes of Phil Jagielka, Leon Osman, Leighton Baines, and then going to coach the champions of England who have won champions leagues and premier leagues and their internationals and world cup winners. It's a massive change. And that's not the same. Graham Potter I've read has, I think he has like a PhD in like psychology or something like that. Like uh, emotional intelligence. He's a very intelligent guy and he's also very good at dealing with people. So I'm not, I'm not doubting that he'll be able to get that locker room under his control, but I just look at Chelsea Grand Potter has needed time to really get this project in his image. And you're finally seeing the fruits of his labors really being rewarded at Brighton. He's going to need che- time at Chelsea to, to really create that project in his eyes. And under at Chelsea, they have never given any manager that time. And I know it's a new, it's a new era, but even with Thomas Tuchel, they gave him seven games. So what's to say uh, Todd Bowley won't fire him after a season? Because this is his guy. This is uh, Graham Potter's his guy. Do you know what I mean? And I think uh, I agree with sort of Nabeed's like, concerns whether he'll be able to manage a, a, a new dressing room, a big dressing room full of egos and things like that. I, I would say, obviously, emotional intelligence in PH, uh, emotional intelligence PhD. And then also, like, when he came in, he brought in, I read a story that he brought in, like, sort of all of the leaders within the team, spoke to them, uh, sort of outlined where they'll um, sort of be standing and, and having that open dialogue. A lot of those similar stories came out um, in regards to Tuchel when he first joined Chelsea. So it is sort mm. of a cycle. Um, and like you fall into sort of bad habits after seasons of being with the same group. I do think that having new owners willing to spend a lot does help in the squad building side of things. Uh, if you sort of have negativity in the dressing room or people who are getting bored of the same sort of style or the same tactics, instead of having a sort of... Um, you know, sort of those arguments within the dressing room that eventually lead to a manager getting sacked, you can sort of rebuild and and shape uh, the squad with new players who will be excited and motivated to play under under, um, a manager like Graham Potter after a few seasons. So I do think there is, uh, you know, a series of factors that, that make it seem like 
Potter would be able to to manage a big dressing room and make that step up. And I think Chelsea's a good place for him to, to take that first step. Uh, I'm going to come to you in a second phase. Um, Liaz, I'm on to you now. Liaz has basically got his side chick on a separate phone. It's not, no, it's not my phone, bro. You can hear you. It's not my phone. No, but it's not, it's not my phone with the notifications. I promise you. I, I got my shit. I'm doing uh, it. I'm on to you. I'm on to you. Uh, listen, the reason I'm actually blaming you for this is because out of us four, uh, you are definitely the guy who's got a lot of side chicks just putting out there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I promise you, that's not my phone. I promise you. The thing that I mentioned before, and I continue to mention about Potter, is the whole ego dynamic. That dynamic is going to be brand new to a coach who's not ever had it. Um, phase like Madrid, you've definitely had experience of coaches who've come in and gone out because they couldn't handle egos or they could handle egos really, really well. Do you think Potter's going to have any sort of issues with that? Yeah, I think he will. I think after Zidane left the three-peat team and then we had the Benitez, we had Lobotegi who came in and we had uh, Solari came in, all three of them faced egos with, with pretty much with the, with the with, like, with Ramos and Benzema and all of that. So I think Potter's going to do the same. But I think the good thing about Potter, in a way, I'm looking at it, is that he's coming into a team where they're already playing five at the back, which is what mm. his, team is, his team is doing as well. So there isn't much, and much of an adaptation in it as well. I think his biggest problem is what Tuchel couldn't get. And that's and Tuchel's got a track record of doing that is he can't get the best of his strikers. Um, I mean, facts. The, Absolute the, facts. The only person that I can think of really is Dem- Dembele at Dortmund. And Neymar. That, that's, the only, that's the only one that came into my... Neymar was already Neymar, isn't it? Mkhitaryan, bro, come on. Mkhitaryan under Tuchel was it was crazy. Is it midfielder, bro? Midfielder. No, he played out. He played out wide for them. It was. Uh, I'm racing. talking about. I'm talking about a proper striker. I'm talking about a, a striker. Dembele wasn't a striker either. W- winger. He's, he's more classified as. Yeah, if you want to say striker, Aubameyang under him. Was yeah, Aubameyang and Neymar, I think. Did yeah. Mkhitaryan, man. At Dor- Here's the thing, right? Tuchel is a new thing at Chelsea. You know what? Tuchel being this like. Um, I don't know what's the right word for uh, pragmatic, very negative, reactive manager. It started his last season where he left halfway through at PSG. I think that Champions League run must have scarred him because mm. before that, at Dortmund, his team played exceptional attacking football. I don't care whether you rate Mkhitaryan as a fullback, winger, midfielder, whatever. Mkhitaryan, Royce, Dembele, Aubameyang was exceptional. He went to PSG, started playing 4-2-2-2. Exceptional a- attack. And I don't know what happened, but something happened right at the start of 1920 or 2021 where he just became some football terrorist that Champions League run doesn't even count for me it was one leg knockout it was a COVID season him making the final beat Leipzig he beat Atlanta in the last minutes that doesn't didn't even you, count didn't you beat Wolfsburg and Roma to, to make it to a Champions League final one time <laughs> two legs, I ain't trying to hear all that <laughs> two legs bro. two legs two legs but I feel like I, I even tweeted it about Tuchel yeah I think his biggest L so far at Chelsea was not signing Ronaldo uh, this summer, Ooh, Ronaldo would have, Ronaldo would have cooked. He probably got sacked system. two games earlier. Yeah, reflex. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Ronaldo, if give Ronaldo what what Chelsea has in in fullbacks attacking, Chelsea's biggest creators is Reese James, Cucurella, Chilwell. That's the biggest yeah. creator. So give give Ronaldo that. <laughs> Here's for me the biggest L from, from Tuchel, and it's going to be very interesting to see where Graham Potter sees him playing. Big Rom, I'm looking at you, man. The scapegoat of Chelsea last season. Everyone wanted to pin all of their problems on him and that, oh, this 100 million pound man has come into a team that won the Champions League and all of a sudden they're not as good. So it has to be on him. But you've seen this year, like 
uh, Faisal correctly said, Tuchel has still been unable to find his best coherent front three. Lukaku, man, the, the unnecessary scapegoat. And hey, I know that interview is probably what screwed him up the most. I think that's one of the dumbest decisions any athlete has ever made in my lifetime. But look, man, maybe there's a future for him next season in the Graham Potter front three, bro. Well, let's, let's, let's watch and see. With Tuchel, like, in the sides where he's excelled playing attacking football and things like that, he's always had players who can come up with solutions and and like create magic from almost nothing. You've had Neymar, Mbappe, mm. Dembele. And at Chelsea, he's never really had those standout players who can, you know, once they're in the right zones, they can, you know, get past plays and score from from nothing or score on actions on their own. I think that's why he really wanted Rafinha because he's a player who, if you give him the ball in that zone, he can create something and, and make something happen. Sure. With uh, with Graham Potter, it's a little bit different because I think he's a little bit better at choreographing actual um, possessions or moves that give his attackers the ball uh, sort of on a plate and, and to put away. So I think in that sense, Graham Potter will be able to get a little bit more about and out of the uh, the Chelsea attacker, the Chelsea wingbacks and, and midfielders in general. I think, uh, as Faisal was saying before, Ronaldo being the striker would have been thriving on the chances. But I think Tuchel's side weren't creating enough chances to begin with. I don't know if Ronaldo would have received the service uh, in mm. general under this version of a Tuchel side. What's unfortunate as well on, on his sake is that this year, the only year which his midfielders, his legs is all done now, like Kante, Kovacic. I think the Champions League run, he was, he was, uh, Kante was a massive, massive yeah. player for them. Kovacic as well, Jorginho as well. That Jorginho season was, was a very un mm. underrated season. That's why he got the top uh, top three Ballon d'Or. I think he was overrated, but he was actually good. Yeah, because <laughs> he wasn't top three good, but he was still good. <laughs> but this year with Kante, Kante done, mm. coverages on one leg, Jorginho, and so him relying on like the likes of Loftus Cheek and Gallagher, who to me is one of the most overrated Premier League players in the world, and 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 <laughs> for you to for you to put Mason Mount on the right wing and expecting him to deliver, yeah, man, it was a suicide. Gallagher seems like the most Umir player ever. I want to know your thoughts. Yes, yes, yes. Here it comes. Here it comes. He's misprofiled. That's crazy. <laughs> no, he actually is. They were playing him in the pivot. He's a second striker. You know when he was at um when he was at Palace, he was playing, making runs into the box, pressing so aggressively in the front line as a really attacking third midfielder, if you want, or as a uh, you know second striker in a four four one one or something. That's where Gallagher really thrives. But then you have him receiving the ball next to Jorginho in a three four three. It, it doesn't make sense. I got to a point where at the beginning of this season under Tuchel, he was making a lot of decisions and playing positions, playing players in positions where it didn't make sense to me. I thought the use of Havertz could have made, he could have made better use of Havertz and played him to his strengths a little bit more. Gallagher was playing sort of out of position. So yeah, you know what? In that sense, I think Graham Potter is really good at, um, you know, identifying who is good at what. I think Gallagher, he can find a role for him. My my issue the whole time with Tuchel, and I've said it time and time again on this pod, on every platform I've been on, is I still don't know what a Tuchel forward looked like at Chelsea because he was he would try and play anyone anywhere to try and find some sort of solution. Remember that game Saul was playing straight. Like, yeah, straight exactly. <laughs> he was just trying to put. He was trying to like crowbar anyone into any front three position in the hope that it would work. This might be a hot take, yeah, but I feel like getting rid of Timo Werner cost Chelsea this year. That second leg against Madrid, where he was Chelsea's best player. Yeah, this is his only good game of the season, so... 
<laughs> I'm glad you picked that one out. There's oh, no one else. Uh, I hate Timo Werner so not hate him, but I dislike him as a footballer so. Getting much. rid, I feel getting rid of Timo Werner this summer was one of was one of the uh, the, the mistakes because they they had to rely the the focus went too much on 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 Kai Havertz and they they wanted Sterling to be the Eden Hazard person, but he's nowhere near that person. So uh, it was just uh, it's just a messy situation. Which is why I say again though, I don't know what a two goal forward looks like. He's just playing. He's he's playing anyone and anyone and everyone up front. Um, <laughs> it's cracking the chat is cracking me up because Basil <laughs> is sat currently on his bed. He doesn't have this lavish setup that he has on other podcasts, and he's gradually sinking in. And uh, producers going nuts in the chat saying, "Please," uh, and it's got to the point where he's just fully ignoring him. Uh, my bad, my bad. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Um, before we move off from Potter onto a different subject, uh, Amir, very quickly, where will Chelsea finish at the end of this season under Potter? This is hot take season. Uh, I'm thinking top three. Don't I wa- say it. You know what? I want to say third, but I'm not going to. I'm going to say fourth, but I'm going to say Potter. Potter's Chelsea, you finished top four. Over who? That's the real hot take there. You want me to get abuse in my DMs, yeah. brother, and that's not very nice of you. I know you have Spurs in there. If I know Umir, I, I know he, he's got Liverpool out of the top yeah, four. Yeah, he does. He does. Out of them or, or in the top four? Out of the top four. If you if there's a team dropping out of the top four for you, I know it's Liverpool. If Klopp doesn't fix things, as of yeah, now, I, 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 I think <laughs> Liverpool might drop out. But they have so much, like, they have the players. So it's just about if Klopp figures out the solution. What's your top four, if you're predicting it right now? I, I'll give you my top four right now. I gave it on, I gave the exclusive to SDS. I'll give you guys the love. No, <laughs> Kick this guy out of this podcast. City first, Spurs second, Arsenal third, Liverpool fourth. That's my top four. Mm. Wait, so wait, so where's Potter's Chelsea? Outside of the top four. Before Potter got hired, I had them sixth. I have to see how quickly he can get a grasp of these players. I, I need some evidence, but I still think whatever impact he has won't be enough to get them in the top four. Faisal, what's your top four? <laughs> uh, I've got City first, Spurs second, Arsenal third, and United fourth. Wait, 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 wait. Go from the top again? City first? Spurs second, Arsenal third, and... Oh, United you had Liverpool third. Don't switch up. You had Liverpool third. No, no, no. I didn't. I didn't. No, you had Liverpool third, bro, because it was all about how Arsenal didn't have enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. You're right Why you're does right, he right. know your top four? <laughs> Yeah, what's going on there? It's been a long day, man. Uh, Liverpool third and United fourth. Yeah. I've got my own agenda towards Arsenal United. Hence the reason why I said United fourth. He's holding on to Ronaldo so bad, bro. By the end of May, I've got so much receipts. I've got so many messages and tweets ready. Well, you think Ronaldo Just... breaks? You think Ronaldo breaks ten goals this season in the Premier League? I said United with Ronaldo is going to finish top four, and, and I'll be right. But by the by the end of the season. Uh, United of one Bisaka can make top four basically. Uh, you will see top four by the end of the season. Don't run, you Umir. What's your top four, bro? <laughs> yeah, he's just going round and round, hoping it takes longer to come through. Right, guys, thanks for watching. It's been a great podcast episode. <laughs> uh, nah, all right, let me, um... After last night's take, bro, you can't be afraid of hot takes anymore. This got to be mild for you. All right, Manchester City first, Spurs second, Chelsea Arsenal. I knew it. I, I knew this guy's <laughs> This guy, man. These theories on Klopp. The amount of times I'm seconds away from tweeting back to your theories on Liverpool <laughs> Klopp. And I'm like, I'm not doing it, man. Um, I've gone uh, City. I'll back Liverpool for second because I think I don't think the other teams have the consistency. I do think Liverpool will turn it around. But they won't turn it around to the extent of what people expect, like last season form or previous season's mm. form. Yeah. But they'll turn it around enough to finish second because I don't believe in the other teams below them. Uh, I do back... Spurs third and Arsenal fourth. I think Chelsea will finish sixth and United fifth. I think we've all got theories. Amir's theory is clearly that Liverpool are and we don't believe in them at all. Liz's theory is Liverpool are 
<laughs> but <laughs> not <laughs> enough to fall out of the top four. Yeah, yeah. A phaser's theory is Ronaldo. <laughs> oh yeah, Ronaldo's the goat theory. He's not the goat. I don't have him. I don't have him as my goat. I'm a messy person. But when I saw your tweets, I, I was just laughing, man. I, I was just laughing this morning when I saw your tweet. I was like, I'm not, I, I'm not going to bother responding to that, man. <laughs> like, uh, we do need to wrap up. Um, and we're going to wrap up with an icebreaker. And I know this is a phenomenal icebreaker for us because Amir and Leah, you would go ham on this, but you're not allowed to talk about it because it's, it's done on social media. Oh. Um, so the icebreaker this week is, would Klopp win more trophies as Manchester City manager or would Pep Guardiola win more trophies as Liverpool manager? Let's be serious. Very quickly, Amir, Pep or Klopp? Joseph Guardiola. Leas? Pep, easy. Faisal? Pep, easy, yeah. You got the wrong people on your video for this one, bro. Grizz Khan was a call away for this, bro. Let's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. give Grizz a shout. Uh, everyone, listen, thank you very much boys thank you for hopping in if you're new to the pod then make sure you subscribe follow and drop a five star rating or whatever it is that you have to do on your choice of podcast platform i don't know what they have these days and we'll see you on the next episode Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.